All the racing below Formula One, you have to pay for. When I was racing GP3, per year uh, in a good team would be around 35 to 45 million baht. In your opinion, as a, a car racer, mm. do you think that is true, that it is dangerous? We would always kind of joke about football players having more injuries than I would get per year, and it's true. But I mean, the possibility that something can happen is large because the speeds are high. We are quite safe in the car, but you know, anything can happen. Sandy Stuvik, one of Thailand's top auto racers, has a wealth of experience in carts, open-wheel cars up to F2, touring cars, and GT cars. And now he currently drives the Audi R8 for Be Quick Racing Team and is sponsored by big names such as Pizza Company, Thai Airways, and many more. In this edition of our podcast, we sit down with Sandy, where he recounts how he started racing at the young age of four and how he rose to the top and won championships both in Thailand and abroad. He also shares an insider's glimpse of what life is like in the racing industry, including the customs, routine, way of life, and drama. Let us introduce you to Sandy Stuvik. Sandy, when was the first time you started racing? So the first time I started really racing, I was six years old. Uh, six. But that wasn't the first time I tried a go-kart. So the first time I tried a go-kart, I was four years old. So and how did you start with this go-kart? Who took you to the go-kart? Go well, it all started in school. I was uh, in nursery school mm -hmm. and I had a friend who over the weekend he went karting and he came back to school and he told me about it. So then naturally I went home and asked my dad if we could go and then that weekend he took me. And from there we kind of I enjoyed it a lot. It was something completely new, a new sport. I would say, and uh, we decided to keep going back every Sunday, and we made it a thing for a while, uh, until it got a little bit expensive to keep renting the cart, so my dad decided, okay, we'll buy a used second-hand go-kart for both of us. So that cart had two seats in it, where it would have like a small booster seat yeah. for me, and then when my dad wanted to use it, he'd unscrew it take it out and then he could use the big so seat. your dad drove with you yeah yeah ah. so it was like a father-son activity that we did every weekend i see mm. so how did you get into racing cars though i know that most racers start with go-karting and that's how you got into it but yeah. racing the real racing part how did you get into that so the real racing part really started when i was six uh and we decided we had had a lot of fun just karting for fun uh, but then we wanted to see how I would do in a race uh, so in my first race I finished third uh, so that immediately gave me a good feeling and we decided to continue this racing mm -hmm. and at the beginning it was a, on a very small level just uh, at the car tracks in Padilla and we'd go to wherever they would have the race meeting and uh, we just did the races mostly for fun uh, but I was really lucky to, to get a sponsor on board early oh. in uh, the pizza company and they 
really helped me progress my career after mm. that. Mm. So, you know, as hobby, so this started out as a hobby first. Mm -hmm. You could have been into, let's say, soccer or rugby yeah. or anything of that sort. Why car racing for you? For me, it was so, I mean, at school, I did the usual kid stuff. I was in the football team, the basketball team and all the sports stuff, uh, you know, I would do it. But nothing was the same as racing. You know, you, there was no speed. You could run, but, you know, it's not that fast, yeah. right? And then, I don't know, the karting really was something completely different. I think the sound of the engine, the smell. I mean, I remember as a kid, very vividly, you would get memories of smells. So especially the rubber, the fuel, that gives me some emotion or some memory from back then. So you mentioned earlier that you did this go-karting with your dad first. So it's a father-son activity. First of all, your dad is not Thai. Mm -hmm. Your dad's Norwegian, yes. if yes. I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so how did he feel when you got into racing? Because sometimes when you talk about car racing, you mm. think about danger. Mm -hmm. Most parents would be like, no, I wouldn't want yeah. my kid to be associated with car racing. Mm. I don't know the safety procedure and yeah. all of that. In your opinion, as a, a car racer, mm. do you think that is true, that it is dangerous? Yes, it is uh, definitely a dangerous sport. Uh, but even back when I was karting, we had... We, we had all the safety gear, mm. but, you know, back then it was early 2000s here in Thailand. It was not, was I would say, not super safe, but mm. also at the same time, very rarely people would get an injury or anything like that. And throughout my whole karting career, I never had anything more than a fractured finger or I had a bruised up knee one time. But apart from that, no broken bones, nothing. So we would always kind of joke about football players having more injuries than That's I would get true. per year. And it's true because car racing, generally, you're quite, quite safe. But I mean, the possibility that something can happen is large because the speeds are high. But uh, we have a lot of safety equipment in the car. Nowadays, the roll cages are very, very strong. And also the suit we have to wear, the helmet, the gloves, everything is fireproof to a very high standard. So we are quite safe in the car, but, you know, anything can happen. Because at least you have that metal piece protecting mm -hmm. you. And actually the suit, racing suit, I just want to highlight this a bit. It's yeah. actually very safe and fireproof, right? Mm -hmm. Can yes. you tell us how, what else it protects you from? just the fire mm. so it should be flame retardant for up to 60 to 90 seconds and if you are burning in the car you should have enough time to escape the vehicle by that time and if not uh, yeah, okay so many of our viewers might not be used to like what gear you need for mm -hmm. racing can you yeah. give us like a list of the things you need because i know it's quite yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'll start from top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, so first thing you need the helmet yeah. and then uh, for different categories will determine the homologation that your helmet needs to be. Mm. Uh, so for me in GD3, it has to be a carbon helmet. Okay. Uh, and then under that you need a balaclava, which is basically just a fireproof. Like a mask. Yeah, like okay. a mask. And then you need 
the what we call underwear it's what you wear under the suit mm -hmm. so that is also flame proof fireproof also on your legs we have trousers for them socks also fireproof and then we put on the suit which is a three-layer fireproof constructed suit oh, wow. and then uh, after that we have a head and neck restraint system mm. in case of frontal collisions your head won't go too far mm. uh, also the gloves boots are both safe are both fireproof uh, and then the final thing we have is the radio kit and that's yeah. to speak with the team I see. So, so we're that's very a whole list of things, and mostly it's like fireproof, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Concentrated on the fire. Yes, people. that is the main the main danger, I would say, because uh, collision, the car has, oh, it's kind of, when you crash, it's not that hard for you as a driver because you're strapped into the seat. You have the six point harness, which is holding you in tight. So the actual collision part is not really a concern but mm. the main concern is if the fuel tank is ruptured or there's a leak there could be a fire I so see. that's why we need I to see. wear all of that see. so so we already talked about you go-karting and racing mm -hmm. then when did you transition to actual cars yeah so i was karting as i said from four raced from six and then i did that until i was around 13 years old mm -hmm. uh, that year I won the Asian karting championship and we decided that okay it's enough karting because karting alone will not get you to where you want to go. Okay. Uh, my dream back then was to become a Formula One driver mm. so our goal was clear. Uh, we had to go to Europe or we had to just enlarge the car I was driving basically. Mm. So from karting uh, a lot of kids will have this problem where they're not really sure where to go because there's yeah. many series after go-karting mm. that will start you in your professional racing career mm -hmm. so when i was 13 i began testing in formula bmw and formula renault in china mm -hmm. and uh, eventually i ended up racing the asian formula renault in 2010 uh, and it was my first year in like a big open wheel car uh, what were you driving that was a Formula Renault, 2-liter, uh, 200 horsepower, just a basic kind of entry-level single-seater type car. Okay. Uh, and that was my first year in big cars. Uh, I was 15 years old, and I managed to win the championship. Wow. Uh, I was the youngest driver to ever win, the first tie to ever win. So that was a very big and important year for me because I would manage to secure more sponsorship mm -hmm. for the next year which mm. uh, we decided to race in Europe which yeah. was also a very big step because coming from Asia the the level of competition is not as high as for Europe sure. yeah. so we went to Europe the next year and uh, it was not as easy yeah for yeah. sure how did you do though so the first year was difficult. I had some good results, uh, but overall it was very difficult to to uh, get a good result because I had never been to those circuits mm. before. 
and the drivers I was up against are all the big names in F1 now. So the the competition was extremely high and it took me some time to adapt. Uh, I mean everything from the weather, from the yeah. cars, the type of tires they use, everything was different and I had to learn it again. But uh, after a few years you 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 learn and you improve and yeah. uh, you get the result. Yeah. But you also trained abroad as well, right? Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit of that? Like mm -hmm. what happened? What did you train there? Yeah. So when this was, I would say, from 2013, mm. uh, at that point I was racing European Formula 3. Yeah. And uh, we were taking it very seriously now because I had a good amount of sponsorship and we had to be fully devoted to this so I was still in school but kind of just finished my my IB exams mm -hmm. and then went straight to Italy and lived there uh, alone which was a big step but also I think important in making me who I am today but there in Italy it was I was very fortunate to stay with Shape Driver it's a driver training facility okay. where they focus on racing drivers, especially uh, a lot of endurance racing drivers mm -hmm. there. Uh, so they, there are a lot of big names that come to train there for a training camp, which was one or two weeks or something okay. like that. But uh, I was living there full time. So I trained twice a day. Wow. All of our training is focused on exercise, on cardio, on oh, so stuff like that. So it's not about how to drive. Yeah, it's oh. not about how to drive at all because all the drivers we learn that and do it at the track. Yeah. But the opportunity to test on a circuit with your car is uh, limited because it's very expensive. Yeah. The car itself costs a lot to run. Mm -hmm. The engine, everything you put in the engine to make it run is expensive. The other consumables like brakes, oils, uh, fuel, tires, all of that is a very high expense. Yeah. So that is often limited. Uh, obviously, the more you do, the better. But uh, for me, it was very limited because we had a limited budget to go racing. So most of my training and most of the training of all the other drivers was physical. So you just made sure that your body was physically as ready as possible for being in the car. And I, I think that's also something that's probably not very well known is how fit you have to be to be a racing driver. Because from the outside, it just looks like you sit in the car exactly. and turn a wheel. Yeah. You know? But uh, speed. in reality, <laughs> the forces are directly on your body. So all the braking, the braking we do in the racing car is unbelievably uh, high G. So compared to a normal car, yeah. even if you stood on the pedal as hard as you could, it would feel slow compared to racing cars because oh. they just stop on a dime. So all these forces and especially the turning force, the amount of downforce you have in the car, all has a load on your neck, especially because oh. that's not secured. Yeah. So you have the belts here and then your neck is still weakling so that has to be very strong yeah uh, it's a very big focus for f1 drivers in particular to have a very strong neck because you have to keep your head up through all the corners mm. uh, so that was a lot of what we did uh, i did a lot of cycling a lot of running mm. a lot of swimming uh, we did a few triathlons for fun you know oh anything God. that was 
that would improve your cardio uh, was good. So we really like to cycle because it would keep your heart rate at a similar level to what you would be in the car, constantly under pressure. Uh, so that was our preferred method of training. Do you still use those methods today? Yes, yeah, I still do. Uh, like what? Can you share? A lot with us? of the things that I learned in Italy, I still use today in my training. Uh, we did a lot of circuit training mm -hmm. as well. So aside from the cardio that we would do, the trainers there would always set up kind of like a lap of exercises for us okay. to do. So we'd have six or seven exercises, yeah. depending on what we were focusing on that day. Would it? It would be shoulders or arms or chest or back or core, neck, anything. We would have a mix of exercises and then we would do 10 laps of that, for example. And that would take up uh, a morning session in, in the day. And then in the afternoon we'd go cycling. So that's all you do? That's all I did. At the academy, let's say. Yeah. That's yeah. it? Yeah, that's it. Wow, so it's just a workout mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah, so as a young kid, I was 19, 20, 21, that was perfect, you know. Yeah, you have didn't, the energy. Didn't have to think, didn't have to do anything, just have to put in the effort. And uh, it was really fun and enjoyable and a time of my life that I knew I had to savor because, you know, it, I wasn't doing any real work, yeah. you could say. It was just training to be yeah. fit for the car, and I was. Uh, Did you race during that time? Yes. So I was also actively racing in uh, the European Formula 3 series that year. And the years after that, I did GP3. So I was always racing, always traveling. But then I would travel to and from Italy to, to all my races. So now bringing back to Thailand. So after all that training and now you're back in Thailand. Yeah. How did you get into like the racing industry, the racing team in Thailand? So that started, I would say, at the end of 2016. Mm. I had finished 2016 was my final year in open wheel style cars. So open wheel, they look like Formula One cars, uh, just a bit smaller. Uh, at the end of that, we had used a lot of uh, resources to get me to that level. Uh, GP3 was only, there was only one step between me and Formula One. Mm. Uh, back then it was GP3 and then you had GP2. Now they're called F3 and F2 to make okay. it simpler. Uh, and then F1. So I was very close and the amount of money required to go into that series was also very high. Uh, but then we decided after that to switch to closed wheel, uh, which is GT style cars or like supercars, GT3. So you have, this class is called GT3. Uh, you have cars from all the big manufacturers. So currently I'm using an Audi R8 GT3 Evo, mm -hmm. uh, but you could pick any manufacturer. There's Ferrari, Mercedes, BMW, Aston Martin, wow. Nissan. Big names. Any, yeah. any car manufacturer, almost any car manufacturer will have a GT3 spec of mm -hmm. one of their top supercars. I see. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, is it different though? from what you drove before and these type of cars? Yes, so driving wise, it's uh, the technique that you use is the same. 
uh, I would say open wheel is the purest form of racing because it is a car that is only designed to go around a circuit. Yeah. So the style of driving required is uh, very detailed, very fine, and very pure. Mm. Uh, in a GT car, you are now coming into a car that was kind of designed for passengers to go fast on a road, ah. but now they've, for GT3, they yeah. kind of redesign it back into a race car. So if you ever have the chance to see the car, you can see that it's a fully carbon shell uh, with the roll cage inside, one seat inside, mm. uh, a racing seat inside, and the rest of the paneling, everything is carbon fiber, everything is race ready. Yeah. Uh, so the car is a lot heavier than a single seater would be. Because just because of the size of it, yeah. single seaters, I would say they weigh around 550 to 650 kilograms. Mm -hmm. So they're very, very yeah. light cars. But a GT car generally will weigh around 1200 kilos. Oh. So it's double the double, weight. Yeah. And the way you have to drive the car is also different, different. now. Yeah. I see. So talking about, you mentioned actually that it's expensive mm -hmm. to, to enter this sport. Yeah. And most people think, oh, if you make it already, you know, you get paid really well yeah. or like you get good sponsors. There's mm -hmm. not much money yes. or you get a huge prize money for it. Yeah. Is that true? I would say it's true of some people mm. or it really depends from person to person how they are i would say funding their racing because uh all the racing below formula one you have to pay for oh so it's That's just formula one yeah it's right. only formula one and around half of formula one you can still pay to actually race oh. in formula one but of course you have to be a good driver you have to have the correct backing the team has to accept you as well so it's not just anybody can pay to go in formula one uh but money is a very large part of racing uh so just for examples when i was racing gp3 or what is f3 today that per per year uh in a good team would be around 35 to 45 million baht wow that's only gp3 per year yeah yeah per year that's and a lot crazy. of drivers have to do two, three years because this is the this is almost the top level of motorsport. So you, the likelihood of somebody going in one championship and winning it straight away is very low. Yeah. So people get in, they spend maybe two, three years doing this to hopefully win and then go up to F2. F2 is anywhere from 60 to 100 million per year. Is this bot? Bot. <gasps> How many races do you do per year? So for those championships, they follow the Formula One calendar, but only select races. So they will do around nine to ten events. Wow. So basically, if you just divide, let's say you got a contract for 60 million to do all the races. So that's six million baht per race. And the race, you're not driving for a long time. It's yeah. a sprint race. So maybe you're in the car for a maximum over the whole weekend uh less than two hours 
is and your you driving pay time, and you're paying much. six million. And what if you time. win? Do you get money? If you win, there is no prize money in uh, See, people in don't series. know this. Yeah. You know, they keep assuming that oh, you know, yeah, there's oh, a rich, huge money. Yeah, racing driver, but the the cost that you have to face is extremely high because the cost of running the cars mm. themselves is extremely high because they are not mass market things they are very small market so the suppliers for everything can charge kind of what they want right yeah. so the cost is huge for everything for the team also just for the travel because a team yeah. itself to run two three cars you need around 30 people mm -hmm. to run just those two cars the engineers the mechanics the tire people all of that is an expense so that's why the it costs is an are expensive sport mm -hmm. very, really very and what about what you're driving now like right now you're driving the gt3 am i mm -hmm. correct at yep. the thai super series in yep. thailand here yes so can you tell us more about about that and like how how can someone enter this mm -hmm. if someone in thailand is watching right now it's like yeah. i actually know how to mm -hmm. drive cars and i want to participate is yeah. that possible yeah absolutely so i would say the thailand super series is a great place to start mm -hmm. because it's uh it's a professional series which is national so generally with a lot of national series you'll see that there is not that professional but i would say tss is a very high level mm -hmm. for a national series and one of the best championships in asia uh, i would say if somebody wanted to start in gd3 which is it is the top level of closed wheel racing yeah. aside from le mans and endurance and all yeah. that that's a that's a whole other section of motorsport yeah. uh, but for closed wheel gd3 racing a standard year with a team sharing the car with another driver you're looking at around six to eight million baht per year per year and this is without sponsors right this is just the cost that you have to pay the team wow yeah that's huge yeah so it's not only limited for thai people no, actually right no. so tss actually has quite a lot of nationalities racing i believe 13 or 14 mm. if i'm not mistaken so a, a good amount of nationalities and uh, pretty much anybody can join as long as you have a racing license uh, and money and money <laughs> and a team and the car yeah uh, then absolutely anybody can join. I just want to touch a bit about the topic of sponsorship here. Mm. You made it sound so easy that mm -hmm. sponsorship come and approach you since you yeah. were young. So not everyone is as lucky as you are. Mm -hmm. Is it really hard to find sponsorship in Thailand? Uh, yes, finding sponsors in any country is not easy because you are asking a company to invest in something that will not necessarily directly improve their sales yeah. which yeah. is always a hard sell uh, so it has to be a lot of the time from the heart uh, somebody who was involved in racing before or has been with me since I've been growing up and seen my progression uh, so for to get sponsors is very difficult uh, I was lucky to to have some sponsors to begin with and then to also grow my sponsor portfolio as I was growing up. But this is also due to the results I got on track. Mm -hmm. uh, I got good results uh, and I won championships. So that 
made it easier to sell to sponsors. And also, I do a lot of PR work off the track. Uh, I spend a lot of my time doing interviews. We do a lot of media visits every year. We, myself and my PR, we're very active in promoting all the, ba the brands that promote me. I see. So a lot of racing drivers will get the sponsorship and, and do nothing with it, you know, just yeah. put a sticker on the car. But for us, we it's a whole package. It's everything you get and all the work we do off the track to make sure that that sponsor is getting value for money. I see. So just to clarify here, because when we talk about car racing, right, mm -hmm. first thing that most people think is that F1 series on Netflix. Yeah. You've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it like that in Thailand? Uh, no, no. So that series is, uh, <laughs> I, I find it hard to watch because really? Why? As, as somebody who, who has um, almost been there and really seen it with my own eyes, I know yeah. how it is. And when I watch this, uh, series that yeah. they've made on Netflix, they, I'm a guy that whenever they use an insert shot, I know what track that's from. Yeah. I know what corner that's yeah. from. I know everything, right? So when they show, they all right, they're making some drama between this driver and this driver, and they'll show a fight that happened last year or something, oh. you know. And it's like I, I know really? that that's not. It you know they use a lot of inserts yeah, to build know. exactly, because if you just see one second of a car and another car in a corner. Most people are not going to know what corner that is, yeah. what race that was. But I know, ex I know what race it was. I know if it happened before or after. I know, you know, this. I, I have they dramatize too much. it too much. Yes. So I they see. really cherry pick what they use. But when they use footage like that for people who actually watch F1 every yeah. race, you kind of, you yeah. know, that it's not like, fully true. Who are you true. kidding? Yeah, you yeah, know, totally. a little bit, a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's not all true, I would say. No. The drama certainly is there, some of it, uh, but a lot of it, they kind of... Stir it up mm, a bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Going back to you now. Recently, actually very recent, during the past weekend, you mm. had a race. Yes. So can you tell us about that? Yes. What happens during a race day? Sure. So this past weekend, I was at Thailand Super Series 2022 Round 2 at mm. Buriram. Uh, there I race the B-Quick Absolute Racing Audi R8 GD3, mm -hmm. number 25, with my teammate Akash Nandi, who is a Malaysian racing driver. Mm. Uh, together we race in the GT3 category, which is the top level of the Thailand Super Series. Uh, we use the fastest cars and it is um, the, the top. Yeah. And I also race in the super pickup category using a Ford Ranger Rap Cab 3.2 liter. So you race diesel. two races in what? Yeah. Wow. So I race two categories in the same day on the same weekend. So GD3 will have two races yeah. and pickup will have two races. So I do four races per weekend. And uh, well, all that training from Europe yeah. must have helped. Yes. So uh, that's why I have to stay fit because, you know, doing a race is quite difficult. And then jumping out of the car and doing another one yeah, is, for sure. you know, you, so how do you, you do keep feel yourself it. fit right now. So right now uh, I do training every day, mostly a lot of gym work. And then I'll do some light cardio mm. just to 
just to help keep the weight off I you know because I, I like to eat you know just Fair, like anybody right <laughs> so i do a lot of training to make sure that i can still enjoy my life yeah. and do my job but uh you know i can still kind of eat what i want to eat Fair. within reason balance is yeah, the key balance. i would say yeah so i enjoy doing that uh, but the race weekends themselves generally we start on fridays with practice mm -hmm. we'll get two sessions of practice and then that's mostly for setting up the car uh, at buriram we we've been there so many times we know generally how the car will be and we have a good baseline setup uh, but then we have to tweak it depending on temperature humidity track condition all of those things are just fine tuning the mm. car for the driver driving so that's generally what we use Fridays for. And then Saturday, we will begin the qualifyings. So a qualifying is basically a timed session that will determine the starting grid for the races. I see. It's important. Yes, very important. So if you are the fastest car, it means you start the race first. Mm. And that's an advantage. And that's a big advantage, especially in GD3 racing, where when you have clear air, it really helps you because you can just try to drive away from yeah, the field for sure. uh, so saturday we'll do the qualifyings in the morning and then we'll have the first race in the afternoon and then sunday we will have the final race mm. so that's generally a weekend for us uh it's yeah. yeah can you give us your ritual before the race day so for me personally i don't have any rituals i do before getting in the car uh, but over the course of the day of the races, I always stay very well hydrated. Mm -hmm. uh, try to go to the toilet before the race mm -hmm. because it, it's, important. it's very important. You're yeah. in the car for quite a long time, so yeah. you want to make sure that you have no other urgencies while you're there. there. Uh, and that's it. Just try to stay calm and stay focused. Uh, the beginning of the race is always the most nerve-wracking part For because sure. that's when all the other cars are the closest and that's when the most accidents happen is in the start because everybody's together so that is always the most exciting part but then after the first few corners you're kind of settling into your own world and just focusing on doing every lap as consistently and as quickly as possible Fair. so you know when you're racing and there's a lot of racers and most of you are alpha males and you know you're competing for one or two positions let's say mm. pole position yeah there's gonna be drama mm -hmm. always yeah. so how do you handle that or how does people who is like a car racer when adrenaline is running high and yeah. all of that how do you contain yourself as a professional well it's uh self-control i would say uh but i mean you'll hear it often in formula one whenever whenever something happens you'll hear the driver on the radio instantly to the team and just saying saying what what they want to say you know yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is difficult to control it especially when you're in the car because the tensions are so high and you know you talk with your team it's quite unfiltered what you say uh, so that is something to be mindful of uh, luckily in TSS our radio is not broadcast so that's that's Lucky. good but we're generally not saying anything bad anyway yeah but it is 
a very heated environment and things can happen. Uh, but my general uh, general rule, or I just try to overtake everybody as quickly as and as cleanly as possible to avoid any drama and yeah. just to make it clear. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much the only thing you can do. Uh, you try to race fair, you race hard, but you race fair and uh, you follow the rules and you that's how you know you've not done anything wrong. So generally, I just do my best to stay within the grounds that they allow us to play within. So that's a professional mentality, I mm. would say. You need yeah. to have that if you want to race professionally. Yes. So would you describe yourself as an adrenaline junkie? I would, I would say so. Uh, so you would definitely. drive on the road with high speed, let's no. say on the highway. So that's where it gets a little bit interesting for me uh, I love adrenaline of any kind uh, I you know I I just like it I like the feeling the rush that it gives you is, is very fun but then on the flip side uh, when I'm driving on the road here I'm really relaxed you know I'm going the I speed limit you listen to a certain type of song while you drive uh, any oldies <laughs> love songs anything relaxed and chilled nobody out nobody would have thought that to be fair yeah. like yeah, so look at you and a car race and then oldies, nineties mm -hmm. love. Yeah, song. yeah. It's Why? my favorite. I I don't know, it just it gives me a warm feeling. There's some nostalgia there from I think a lot of it I heard in the back of the car when I was a kid. Uh, uh, my parents would listen to it, so that would give me a certain feeling of calm inside. Uh so I really like oldies. And just driving here, I mean I have found it's better just to just to go with the flow, even if the flow is under the speed limit, which <laughs> is difficult sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we everybody's just trying to get somewhere, and the more you try to fight it, it's, pro it's probably not going to end well. Yeah, on, right. When you race and when absolutely, you drive yeah. Right. When I race, I need to be in front, and I will pass anybody who is ahead. You know, there's <laughs> only one direction and that's forward but on the streets here no i'm just yeah. relaxing listening to my music that's good because yeah. people when they say oh you're a car racer they mm. would assume you're like oh. speeding on yeah, the highway yeah. yeah for sure so yeah so that's an, a nice fun fact yeah yeah so apart from car racing you're also a driver instructor mm -hmm. as well so yes. what do you teach and who do you teach so that's a good question from i teach I'm a driver instructor for a few different academies, I would say. So actually today I'm going to TRA, which is TSS Racing Academy. So TSS has their own racing academy where any level of driver, generally people who have no racing experience at all, yeah. they will come to us. Uh, we have a fleet of Honda City race cars they used to be one make cars so they're manual low horsepower but very lightweight mm. touring cars and there we will teach people the basics of racing uh, racing itself is completely different from driving a car on the road the rules are different the technique that you use is completely different mm. so in a racing car you want to maximize your 
or the vehicle's capability at all times. Mm -hmm. What this means is when you are braking, you're braking as hard as possible. When you accelerate, your, your foot is on the floor. There is no in-between. In cars, there's a lot of modulation. You yeah. follow the traffic, you brake soft. Yeah. In racing, it's completely different. So you brake as hard as possible, and then you turn the vehicle with as much force as the tire gives you, and then you try to get out of the corner as quickly as possible. So those basic foundations is what we try to teach people and also other knowledge about racing. So everything from vehicle dynamics to racing line to how you should enter a corner, what type of corner it is itself, because that also determines how you should enter it. So there are so many factors and variables in racing that... It is difficult to teach somebody, but we can definitely give them a very good baseline. I see. Uh, and they also do a test, and they pass this test, they get their racing license, ah, and then you can begin racing. Okay. So, so first step in becoming a Yeah, racer, I would basically. say first step, if, if you are not a kid, uh, then this is a very good first step. But I would say for kids, definitely start with go-kart because yeah. that is that be the natural kind of... You will learn all the baseline, all the foundations of racing in go-karts. I so that, that's a good place to learn. Aside from TRA, I also have my own racing course uh, in association with Be Quick. Uh, racing team so we use their one make cars and I will be coaching whoever the customer is for that full day this course is a little bit more focused on lap time itself and how Being to fast. extract yeah the most out of the car you are driving I so I do a lot of that I also do a lot of work for car brands that do uh, either track days or they have a new model and they reviews, want people right? to to try yeah i see yeah so you would i would say and you would say most probably that you are a top racer let's say in thailand mm. how long do you sell do you see yourself as a car racer well i hope i hope i can go until i'm at least 50 years old you know uh generally yeah it's a retirement 40, age normally it really depends some yeah. drivers go up to 65 years old you know so it really depends on if you still have the speed if you can still compete with everybody else then there is no reason to stop really so i think in general people start stopping at around 40. Mm. that seems to be the number where a lot of people go mm, you know yeah but, moving on right but i mean i would hopefully like to go until I'm at least 50 and yeah. then hopefully still do something after that as well. That's cool. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I hope you race for quite some time because we get entertained by watching <laughs> it. And now like our viewers can watch it on live stream too, right? Yes. If they're into like cars and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the good part about all the modern racing series is they all have a live stream. Yeah. So that's great for both sponsors for the drivers and for people that want to watch it's it's really good so lastly here so for a young person who aspire to be like you let's mm -hmm. say want to be a top racer yeah what's the one piece of advice you would give them so for somebody young starting out in racing i would say the best thing you can do is to go karting and to do it often 
So back when I was carding, I would go two or three times per week after school. Consistency. My, yeah. My dad would take me. We'd go together to Padia. Uh, I live in Rayong, so it's about half an hour away. And we would go to Padia and practice until it got dark. Mm. And we'd do that two, three times per week after school. Uh, mostly because I loved doing it. But it was also practice. The more practice you do, the better you will be. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. And that is a rule that I've tried to follow my whole life. And it's something that you can use no matter what you are doing, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what your passion is, practice will make you better. So if there's any mantra I want to instill in somebody who wants to do anything is practice makes perfect. I see. Wise words indeed. Well, thank you, Sandy, for joining us Thank today. you very much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you.